Welcome back to So Wait Pause, the podcast where we pair a good and bad movie and get drunk while we do it. This is Ashley, and I'm with my favorite drinking buddy, Sean. Hey. Hi. How's it going? Oh, it goes. I have exciting news for our podcast listeners. Oh, good. I pulled off a successful icing. You did not pull off a successful <laughs> icing. It, a Smirnoff. Oh, I always say Smirnoff. It's Smirnoff, right? Yeah. I, I, because I, you love that schmear. Yeah, I really do. Uh, it, like with everything. It's yeah. like I cannot get away from It's like the biggest thing. You know, I, I told you um, the joke about boomers can't say Chipotle. Uh, they always yeah. say like Chipotle yeah. or Chipotle. Or, this is your boomer moment. It is. I, I cannot say. It's like anything with an S. Yeah. The most egregious is when you call it a pap schmear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we talked about that in before, too. But like, I don't know. It's just like bagel schmear is correct. Schmear. Like that, that's a schmear. You schmear things. But Smirnoff. I don't yeah. know. Okay. So you cannot correctly say the name, nor can you correctly do the action of icing. <laughs> that's correct. I was just so excited because I bought a six pack of them and I've had them for a while now. And I keep not having many opportunities to ice people. This is also a trend that's long gone. So, <laughs> And by the way, the reason that we have this is out of nowhere. One time we were going over to our friend's house. We stopped to pick up like some beer to like, you know, didn't want to show up empty handed. Although we do that plenty of time. Right. And you did not walk in there being like, I really want to see if they have Smirnoff ice so I can ice someone. Yeah. You walked in and saw a thing of Smirnoff and was like, oh man, I really want to ice someone. That's correct. But of course, they don't sell it in the single bottle where we were at. So we were forced to buy a six pack of it. Really, what happened was that we walked into a place on the way to a friend's house and seeing a Smirnoff ice, mm -hmm. I'm trying real hard not to smear it, made me really want to, to ice him because that specific friend is the last person who icing was a thing with. Yes, I would say the last time he iced you was like seven years ago. Uh, no, it was our, uh, well, how long ago was that? The bachelor party. Seven years ago. Oh, uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> oh, God. Well, yeah, okay. <laughs> In my mind, that was like, I guess at minimum six years ago. Yeah. Oh, well. Anyway, so uh, that's why. And mm -hmm. so it just came back. It was a memory and I wanted to do it. So I had many left over. I've found ways to get rid of them here and there. It's not easy to ice people anymore because even if you do surprise them with it, they're like, I'm not drinking this, <laughs> which is exactly what happened with our friend Beth. <laughs> oh, I forgot that you did that to her. Yeah. Cause I was like, Hey, it's birthday. You're getting iced. And she said, no, <laughs> that was the only response. No, I think that has affected my ability to ice people because nobody is down for the surprise anymore. So I thought, here we go. I have an opportunity. Our friend George is in town. George is the type of guy who would accept getting iced. And he did accept it. But I didn't do it well because I was just like, I have this Smirnoff ice and I want to ice you. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a surprise. I didn't yeah. leave it anywhere. Literally no element of surprise. No like, now chug, chug, chug. It's like, here you go. Here, I can gingerly open that for you. Drink at your leisure. I think that it's a meta icing because the shock in it is that how inappropriately I did it. Okay. It's just the fact that you're shocked by the way in which you received an ice. <laughs> <laughs> I really like the way that George put it because he was like, basically what you just did was said, 
Hey, so I saw this YouTube thing where like you pull up the video of this song and it's called Rick Rolling. <laughs> and then he like went He's like, I really up. want to show you this video. <laughs> and then he went and pulled up never gonna give you up on his on YouTube on his phone. And he's like, Hey look, you were just Rick Roll. <laughs> Very similar, yeah. I, I do understand that. Oh Lord. Either which way we have one left and that one at some point. Who knows? I don't know who will receive it. But they will know before they can ice <laughs> that they're going to receive it. Probably. Uh, I iced one one person, I think. And Zach, who I originally intended it mm-hmm. for, uh, he was effectively iced. He was effectively iced. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go. I guess we're going to have to start lemon dropping people. That would be like worse than getting an ice, right? Those are so sugary. We're randomly given a lemon drop shot. Yeah. It's better than uh, your undergrad experience of just people randomly slipping Everclear into things. I'm not slipping. Giving me a bowl and saying, <laughs> take <true>. this shot. <laughs> and me thinking it's vodka. One, why was it I not questioning it being in a bowl? Um, it's like a cereal bowl. Yep. But why? Right? Why? <laughs> That's many, many shots worth. <laughs> and then finding out that it was Everclear as I was taking the shot. Oh, that makes me like want to vomit just thinking about it. Yeah. Oh. Things could be worse than getting iced or uh, lemon dropped. Or told that you're about to be iced and then given a drink. Exactly. <laughs> what are we watching this week? So this week is our listener pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, great pairing because it's one that I actually wanted to do myself. So I'm glad this is a listener pick because it's like I get two mm-hmm. back-to-back picks. There's a lot of connections too. I'll, I'll talk about that in a second. There's a lot of connections, especially in this one. So the pairing for it is Jungle to Jungle, but... Galaxy Quest specifically is has a lot of connections to actors and actresses that we've watched recently, to directors, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll get into that in a in a second. Galaxy Quest is at least throughout my let's see when did this come out like 1999 I think. Mm-hmm. So my middle school, early high school years, it used to be one of my favorite movies. I love Galaxy Quest. I had it on mm-hmm. VHS. I watch it all the time. Never seen it. Yeah, it was around the same time. I, I figured you wouldn't have. Uh, it's around the same time that Mystery Men came out. Never another movie that, that I'm 100% going to choose at some point. So for me, they're kind of paired. And I don't know why. They're both comedies that came out in the same general time frame. And I both had them both on VHS. Uh-huh. And I watched them routinely. Like multiple times a year. Uh-huh. Uh, for a short time. I haven't seen this in a while now. Probably before undergrad. Honestly, uh-huh. it's, it's probably been since high school since I watched it. Uh, but either which way, I think you're going to like it because this is a Star Trek parody, basically. Mm-hmm. But do you know even the premise? Not a single thing. Okay. Do you want the premise before or after you do a shot in the dark? You probably need it before. I couldn't even tell you a single thing to try to do a shot in the dark. Okay. Is this the same thing as like the um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? No. Is Tim Allen also in that adaptation? No. Mm-mm. Well, I've really confused these in my head over the years. I mean, I guess I could get how you would just from the name. Yeah. They're not. Well, no. I mean, it's not that similar. Okay. It's it's essentially just a Star Trek parody. Mm-hmm. But the way they do it is that this is like post the show being popular. Mm-hmm. So it's a group of actors. They're basically going back to like a Comic-Con type thing, mm-hmm. like a Star Trek convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for this show that they're on called Galaxy Quest. Mm hmm. And so it's all the actors coming back. They're now like on to bigger and better things, except for mostly Tim Allen, who's kind of still <laughs> living in the past. <laughs> right. 
He's, he's William Shatner. He is, yeah. And he, a lot of this is based off of those types of figures, mm-hmm. right? So everybody is kind of playing a Star Trek character. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of homages to Star Trek, the movies and the show and the types of situations that happen and the concept of like red shirts, um, which are like the, you know, the lower ranking people who just randomly get killed every episode. Mm-hmm. All of those types of things are in this. And it also bought borrows from Alien. So those two, but mm-hmm. primarily Star Trek Alien because Sigourney Weaver is in it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm going to pull up the synopsis, though, for you. All right, here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. The stars of a 1970s sci-fi show, now scraping a living through reruns and sci-fi conventions, are beamed aboard an alien spacecraft. Believing the cast's heroic on-screen dramas are historical documents of real-life adventures, the band of aliens turn to the ailing celebrities for help in their quest to overcome the oppressive regime in their solar system. (laughs) So that's the whole premise, is Mm -hmm. that a group of real aliens have seen, much, much later, because it's beamed across space, Mm -hmm. these reruns of Galaxy Quest, and they now believe they have found a real crew of space people who were just filming, I guess, documentaries or that it's this historical document. Mm -hmm. And they went on a search for these people to hopefully help them overcome the villain of the show, who I think is named Saris. It's been a while, Uh, but you'll see him. Interesting. So this movie is a movie that has a surprisingly deep cast. So I'm not going to get big into the cast members. Okay. Because I think it's a good drinking rule if you haven't seen it in a while Mm -hmm. or if you've never seen it. To drink to every time you know who a person is. Oh, I love that's a OG rule. I love that rule. Yes, and the big one, Tim Allen is the main person. Sigourney Weaver is the second. Alan mm-hmm. Rickman. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to get into the other people. Okay. The top listed people you might already know who's in it, but uh, you're going to see a lot of people in this movie, and people are going to be it. like in all sorts of roles, like mm-hmm. not leading stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's at least two film debuts in this. Okay. That I know of. And I'll mention them later. Okay. So for shot in the dark. So I was really fixated on the like uh, you talking about them like going to like Comic Con style conventions. Yeah. My shot in the dark is while at a convention. Here's what I'm I'm picturing mm-hmm. in terms of the storyline. That like Tim Allen is a little what's the word I'm looking for? Resentful. So Tim Allen is a little resentful that like that like he even has to go to these types of things uh like he thinks it's too good for the convention kind of but then he also like when he gets there like he kind of loves it because he loves that people like recognize him but i'm like picturing like somebody coming up to him like as a fan and like quoting something that isn't actually from his tv show mm-hmm. or like thinking he's somebody else uh-huh. and like i mean like but like don't you know who i am I'm so great but it's like somebody like maybe younger who's like oh yeah i don't even know what that is you know like realizing just how like do you want to boil this down to a less specific? No, because it should be specific for sure. No, I mean, it should be specific, but I'm saying like uh, a specific type of interaction. I want to specifically say like somebody comes up to them, him, and like is talking to them like he's somebody completely different. Okay. That's my shot in the dark. Uh, but it's a fan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That works. It's a random one, but I just have this like moment in my head of where I could imagine this happening. Sure. Yeah. If I had to take a guess, I would say that there's a uh, fake Kevin Smith. <laughs> Kevin Smith is so associated with those conventions now, but I don't know if he was already in 99. I feel like Kevin Smith as Kevin Smith really blew up after Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back. 
and that whole thing. Because before he was just known as Silent Bob and everybody, and even like right after that, he was just known as Silent Bob. I remember a friend in, in undergrad, which is, I mean, mm-hmm. almost 10 years after Silent Bob came out. I mean, not quite. It's, I think Jane Silent Bob Strikes Back was 2001, maybe, or something mm-hmm. like that. So, whatever. It was enough years after. And I remember talking to someone and they were like, wait, Silent Bob talks? <laughs> like, they thought he legitimately could not speak. Before I met you, the only thing I knew about Kevin Smith was Kevin Smith playing Kevin Smith and Degrassi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wasn't he in, didn't he make a reappearance in that? Yeah, he was in several episodes. But I thought like more recently, wasn't there a Degrassi like reunion? I don't know. I only know, I know the, I call it OG Degrassi, but apparently not OG Degrassi, but the OG Degrassi of my era. Is it Degrassi or Degrassi? I don't know. Oh, okay. But yeah, he was in it. He talks about it on his podcast sometimes. Okay. So did you find drinking rules for this? Yes. So Drunken Me had some. <gasps> Wait, is that the one we like? No. Yeah, Drunken Me is one of the ones we like. This no, but is... we like Drink Wins. Yeah, yeah, but this one, this is a good one that's pretty limited. All right, so take a drink when the ship takes damage. A lot of these are going to be like Star Trek drinking rules, too. You mm-hmm. could drink to like mm-hmm. any sci-fi type mm-hmm. thing, honestly. Take a drink when any famous quote from the show is recited. Mm-hmm. That's that's a big one. Take a drink anytime Galaxy Quest is referenced, the, the title, mm-hmm. or which the show. One, which is one of our standard drinking rules, anyways. Yes, so you could say the title or the show is referenced without saying the title. Take a drink when aliens are shown in their true form. That's not as common, but it happens. Take a drink when Guy is referenced as the extraneous crew member. That's a funny one. It's basically like anytime he's left out of the main group. Got it. Take a drink anytime someone speaks to or repeats what the computer said. That's a big Star Trek one, too. Take a drink when Alexander is pissed he's not a real actor. Got it. All right, so I can't think of any other ones to add to that. I think those are are fine. The only thing I'm going to add is, like I said, anytime you recognize someone and uh, take a drink to that, right? Yeah. And an actor that, even if you don't know their name, just as long as you can recognize them by face, because there's a lot. Right. That, and then I'm going to say, we're going to have a finish your drink rule when Alan Rickman, who I think he's... Oh, I can't remember the the names. I think he's Alexander. I have to look it back up again. Anyway, so when Alan Rickman finally says his quote from the show, because mm-hmm. it's like he's definitely like the more begrudging actor mm-hmm. who's like he sees himself as a real mm-hmm. like esteemed actor and like doesn't want to be associated with sci-fi. As Alan Rickman should. Yeah. Alan Rickman himself hated sci-fi <laughs> and just thought this was funny. So he joined on. So. And then most famous role is a wizard. Yeah, not sci-fi, though. That's fantasy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And also a little different. Harry Potter reverse. Yeah. Galaxy Quest. I agree. However, when he finally begrudgingly does say his line, because okay. it's a big moment in the movie and also, you know, Alan Rickman. Right. They actually were going to make a second movie, but Alan Rickman's death kind of ended. They had a script and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember them talking about that. Yeah. And kind of just completely halted the whole thing. They might still do it. From what I hear, but right. I doubt it at this point. Uh, but the only other thing I wanted to bring up, just because it immediately ties to the last week. I don't want to get into anything else because it's a little spoilery or it ties into the actors we're going to see. The one thing I did want to bring up, though, is that the original director for this was supposed to be Harold Ramis. Who's Harold Ramis? <laughs> the Ghostbusters director who also directed Groundhog Day. Oh, okay. Yeah. I forgot already. Right. So he was supposed to be the director on this and then dropped out. I think he dropped out because they originally wanted Alec Baldwin 
to play the main character. Mm -hmm. And when they instead cast Tim Allen, Mm -hmm. I think that's when he dropped. Mm -hmm. But then he ended up being happy with Tim Allen's performance. Right. Like in retrospect. So I don't know if it was because of Tim Allen or what, but of course, Tim Allen at this time was Tim the Toolman Taylor. Yep. Like still very prominently. Yeah, very <laughs> so. big, yeah. All right. So hope you'll like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to watch it. It's going to be good. Okay, let's go watch. All right. We are back from watching Galaxy Quest. What did you think? So for the type of like comedy movie it is i didn't mind it you didn't mind it i thought it was great (laughs) i i wouldn't call it great but i like i like i enjoyed watching it yeah i mean it's not really like a slapstick comedy there's only like a couple moments Uh, that you would consider like gratuitous like the the pig exploding or whatever the thing is the space pig looking thing that's not that's not that's just gross but i mean like the alien language and the way they talk and yeah i mean like just like certain jokes like i mean it's definitely way more slapstick than what i care to watch but that being said i really enjoyed watching it sure now one thing about this movie is that from the first second it was just filled with actors that you recognize look that role that you added could be the only rule and you'd be fine yeah i mean you're not always going to remember where you know them from a lot of them you won't but you'll know their faces and they're in i mean Almost all every extra, <laughs> like it's every, insane. Uh, we did so much pausing and rewinding to go and like confirm that the person was who we thought it was. Yeah, I mean, we're calling out Doctor Number One from West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, I mean, it was insane how many people were like, "Oh, we know that person. We know that person. We know that person." <laughs> yeah, in uh, from the first like ten seconds of the movie, uh, we have our first. Uh, not, you it wouldn't be a cameo at this point in time, but the first uh, recognizable person. You wouldn't recognize him, though, because he plays the young version of Laredo. Isn't that what his name mm-hmm, is in the yeah. movie? Uh, which is Corbin Blue. Yep. Corbin Blue plays the young 70s, like 1970s TV version of Laredo. Because Laredo right. in the show was a child who piloted the... Right. And I mean, we've talked about it a little bit on the po- on this podcast, but I mean, the foundation of this movie night... It's High School Musical. So seeing Corbin Blue was a deep cut for us. Yeah. And Corbin Blue, who uh, some of you may or may not know, has the most translated Wikipedia. Well, it's like the third most translated Wikipedia page. Yeah. Of like anything. Of <laughs> At least at the time. Which <laughs> we first saw that in 2020, I believe. Yeah. And uh, at the time, at least, he was in like the top five. Because uh, I remember he was like one behind Jesus and <laughs> one ahead of some other crazy thing. <laughs> it's nuts. It's like one German super fan who just keeps translating the pages or something like that. Uh, oh, man, I mean, I don't want to call out like all the cameos that we saw because I think it's fun to have fun with that rule. Yeah, I'm not going to call out any of like the weird ones. But I will say one of the ones, he's not a cameo, he's a, one of the main people, but I had no clue he was in the movie was Sam Rockwell. Yeah, uh, Sam Rockwell is like a, a main yeah, yeah. part of the main group. Looking pretty young, the full head of hair, mm-hmm. uh, a mustache. <laughs> right. And Sean called it when we were watching the movie. So I enjoy Sam Rockwell as an actor. Like, I I enjoy most of his work. But I do not enjoy 
that he often plays the same character over and over and over again, which is always the guy who starts out as a villain and then you some you like learn about his story and you start to care for him. Yeah, like he's an alcoholic that gets better and does the right thing at the end. Or right, he's but he's still a Nazi, racist. <laughs> a na- he's a Nazi sergeant. Exactly. Or whatever he was in, in Jojo Rabbit. And right. he eventually redeems himself. And right. He's, he's always that. He's like the gritty, like, rough around the edges type guy. This is the only movie I can remember where he does not play that character. He does not play that character in Iron Man. Well, he just plays a bad guy. Yeah, for sure. But he, you don't ever care for him. Yeah, I mean, I guess he's not, like, rough around the edges. But. but he did play, like, I love Sam Rockwell when he leans into comedy. So I did enjoy him in this. Yeah, I thought he was great. Uh, he plays the guy who's always being left out of the group. Yeah. That I, nobody remembers his name. Yep. And his name's Guy. Yeah. So I'm not going to call out all the people, like we said, so you can recognize them. I don't know their names anyway. So it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> does not matter. Um, however, I am going to call out two because it's the first movie appearance for two different actors at minimum. It's probably mm-hmm. Corbin Blue's first movie appearance. Probably. So probably three. But in terms of people who actually have lines in the movie and is mm-hmm. in the actual main part of the movie, not like a recording. One, Justin Long. This is Justin yeah. Long's first movie. He's a teenager and he's a reasonably main character. I mean, like he's, you know, a secondary character, but he's has a, a number of lines. Somebody else who is in this who you may or may not remember is Rain Wilson. What a, an appearance by Dwight himself. Yeah, Dwight Schrute looking very thin. <laughs> he looks like he's like 120 pounds in this. He plays one of the Thermians, uh, which is the race that comes and finds them. He has like, I think, two or three lines, but he's in the background in a number of shots. He's always walking. He's part of the main group that comes and finds him, uh, finds Tim Allen. And uh, so he's always like in shots, but he doesn't like really have many lines necessarily. Right. The main one who you probably do remember if you've seen this movie before, the main Thermian, who is like the commander of the whatever, who comes looking for Tim Allen, is played by Veronica Mars's dad. Enrico can't say his last name. Yeah, it's like uh, Enrico, I do not remember his name ever. He's also in uh, Station Eleven. Right. I'm a huge Veronica Mars fan, so that was fun for me. And then he played the most annoying character in the whole movie. <laughs> well, just because of the voice and everything. Uh, Enrico uh, Colantoni. He has to be Italian, right? <laughs> With right. a name like a Enrico Colantoni. Uh, but yeah, so he's in this. Uh, I did not know. Like, I would have not pieced those two together until seeing his face. Like, when I saw it now. But, like, right. just thinking back on it, never would have right. put put those two together. So, I mean, really, the real winner of this entire thing is a casting director, right? Yeah. And so, I looked her up, Deborah Zane. I was mm-hmm. like, what else has she casted? Like, was this a one-hit wonder for her? No. Really? Um, she casted all the Hunger Games movies. Uh-huh. Catch Me If You Can. All the Twilight movies. And are you ready for this one? Peach Dragon. Pete's Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she's done a ton of huge stuff. Huh. Like, well, that's cool. I mean, like, because oh. clearly an eye for young talent, because a lot of these people were not yet famous. Yeah. Especially, um, like, Rain Wilson and, and those types of people. You know, like, Justin Long. She did all the Ocean's Eleven movies. Um, well, and those that have a lot of stars in them, too. Mm-hmm. She did Terminal, Seabiscuit. Seabiscuit. <laughs> uh, traffic. I mean, tons of Stuart Little. little. <laughs> huh. That's an, Pleasantville, insane. one of our favorites. We haven't ever watched Pleasantville on this either. Mm-mm. I don't think we've ever watched it together. I don't think we have either. It definitely has to be coming up. I really like that movie. I also um, love Blast from the Past. I don't. 
Blast from the Past is the one where um, Brendan Fraser is a kid in like the 50s and their his parents are so scared of like atomic war that they build a bunker and they decide to go live in it until like the 1990s. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen this. Yeah, I don't know if it's the 50s or, you know, it might be like the 60s or 70s, mm-hmm. but it basically it's like... Like you're in the Cold War. Yeah, he comes out and everything's different mm-hmm. and now he's an adult and, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Great movie. I love it. Uh, maybe I'll choose that sometime. But anyway, uh, the star of this movie for me was Tony Shalhoub. <laughs> he did a really great job. Sean loves Tony Shalhoub. I do. I used to love Monk. I, I watched all of it. It's on TNT, right? I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those. And uh, I thought that, that was a great show. Did you ever watch Monk? No. Really? It's like I mean, a detective I think I've seen show. like an episode or two. Yeah, but it's about murders. Yeah. I mean, you know, those were the days of like true calling and things like that. I like, I mm. was, you know, I was full of other murder, murder shows. Okay. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, anything on USA was beneath me. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. What, was, was it on USA or TNT? Oh. Maybe it was USA. My heart wants to say USA, but when you said TNT, that felt right, too. Uh, I don't know. Either which way, Tony Shalhoub is great. Tony Shalhoub, also in 13 Ghosts, <laughs> around the same time period. <laughs> Ashley did not like that. He's much better than this. He plays a funny character in this. He has all of my favorite lines in the whole movie. My favorite line when I was a kid was when they all get teleported there and they're like, you know, they're suspicious. They don't actually believe this is real. And then they get transported like across space. Mm-hmm. And when they all are like, they get out and they're like, <laughs> like shaking and mm-hmm. like terrified. <laughs> and then Tony Schlub's character comes in and was like, wow, that was a hell of a thing. <laughs> and he just walks off. <laughs> right. He basically plays a stoner throughout the whole movie. He's right. always eating. Yeah. Like throughout the, in every scene, he always, is always eating something. He has a lot of other funny lines too. <laughs> when they get to the uh, surface of the planet, and he just opens the hatch and everybody's like, oh, my God, we don't even know if there's oxygen. And he just starts like, no, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good because Tony Shalhoub doesn't really play comedic characters like that very often because mm-hmm. he's in comedies or things that are like kind of comedic, mm-hmm. more like dramedies because Monk was not like a straight comedy. It was right. more like a, a dramedy ish type thing. And then uh, Marvelous Miss Maisel. Is kind of a dramedy. Mm-hmm. I don't. Know, I don't know if I'd call it a straight comedy. Uh, yeah, I mean, there are too many like sad and depressing things to happen. Yeah, dramedy is accurate, but he's wonderful in that. Yeah, and he's not like a like a stand up comedian type actor in that, but he's no. funny. Yeah, he's very dry humor, funny. Yeah, in this one, he's much more like directly funny. Yeah, but he was great. I also love young Donish Lube, who they just make seem like he has like a plastic face <laughs> <laughs> when he's uh, on the recordings. So, throughout this movie, I mentioned that it's kind of a riff on Star Trek. Yeah. There's a lot of Star Trek stuff in this. If you're a Star mm-hmm. Trek fan, you'll notice a lot of things. Uh, there's a rock monster that they fight, and it was always a big thing that, like, William Shatner really wanted to fight a rock monster, mm-hmm. and they did not let him do it. Mm-hmm. And then the same company who made the last of his Star Trek movies made this movie. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it's Universal or who. Mm-hmm. I'm not a good Star Trek fan. I'm not a huge Star Trek fan, but, you know. What do you watch? What's the next generation? That's Star Trek. Oh. Yeah. You watched all those, like, recently. Yeah, I never watched, like, the William Shatner ones. Oh, okay. I watched some of them. They're just, like, very outdated, you know? Mm-hmm. But uh, The Next Generation was a classic, and that was on when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, so I guess it was a big thing for William Shatner because they had a rock monster in this, 
And it was like 10 years after he made his movie and they wouldn't let him have it because mm-hmm. they thought it would be too expensive. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess CGI was a lot better now. Right. They didn't have to make physical set pieces. But um, that was a big thing that I was reading about. And then the other big William Shatner tie-in is that the scene in the bathroom is something that actually happened to William Shatner. So at the convention when Tim Allen like is like so happy to be there and like his um, around his adoring fans... And then he's in the stall and here's two people to urinal being like, these people are washed up. They're such losers. Mm-hmm. That's something that happened to William Shatner at, at basically a Comic-Con. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So that was like, I think it was in the 80s. And so like he had to like rethink his life. <laughs> and so he decided to become the Priceline negotiator. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I bet he made a ton of money off of that. I'm sure he did. He may have made more money off of that than being Captain Kirk. <laughs> Possibly. Because if you think about it, he was Captain Kirk in what, like the 70s or... Yeah. Something like that. And it was a low budget show at that point in time. He made way more off of like merchandising deals later. When you want to know how I know he made a lot of money off that? Priceline? Yeah. How? Is when they also hired Kayla Cuoco to be Priceline Negotiator's daughter. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> she's making she was making a million dollars like an episode. Yeah. They were the <laughs> highest paid there for a while. Exactly. So like at the same time. So Priceline had, had to have some good money to get Kayla Cuoco at that time. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It was, it's kind of insane that of all the shows, yeah. that's the one that was like demanding, like, we can no longer do this for $500,000 an episode. Right. <laughs> On a show that has like 24 episodes a season. <laughs> and it's the only show keeping CBS alive. Well, Young Sheldon now. I don't know. If they didn't have that, what would they, what would they do? I don't know. What would they do? Is Young Sheldon demanding a million dollars an episode? <laughs> Doubt it. I bet it's like those Nick stars where we find out that they actually only made like $50,000 for the whole series. Probably. Those people were not getting paid anything. Probably. So about the Star Trek, this also had a direct impact on J.J. Abrams. So I did read a number of things where J.J. Abrams said that Galaxy Quest inspired him to make the new Star Trek series. Interesting. And he pulled a lot from there. There's one scene uh, when Tony Shalhoub is... Uh, He's Fred, right? Fred Kwan, I believe is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he like does the teleporter thing for Tim Allen, mm-hmm. that's why J.J. Abrams added that scene in wow. the first new Star Trek. Wow. Yeah. Of like Scotty, like he has to quickly like mm-hmm. beam him out of the place, you know, and it's all crazy. Mm-hmm. That's why he had that in there. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about is that there's a new documentary about this. About Galaxy Quest? Yes. What? <laughs> yeah. So there's a new, it came out like a couple of years ago. But there's a documentary about it where they talk to all of the cast other than Alan Rickman, because I think it was after he died. Mm -hmm. But that's funny because when this movie came out, E! did a mockumentary. (laughs) They released a mockumentary, and the mockumentary was just like as if this was a real show. Mm -hmm. And so they covered all of them in character. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then that was also just released as a documentary now. So they basically took the mockumentary that aired on E! Mm-hmm. And now released it in full form. But that's separate, I believe, from the documentary. We're going to have to find these. Yeah. I can't remember the name of, of one, but I think I think it's like the 20th anniversary something mm-hmm. is the mockumentary. Because mm-hmm. they just compiled it from TV and put it out mm-hmm. on like Hulu or something. I don't, I don't remember which site. Mm-hmm. Another thing. So we talked about there are a lot of connections. So I said I mentioned Harold Ramis was almost the director and then wasn't. Mm-hmm. Jennifer Coolidge was almost in this. That's who. I believe it was. I can't remember how you say the name. Lari. Yeah, something like that. The alien one. Yeah, that Missy Piles place. Yeah, that. Uh, which what a weird alternative right. choice. Right. Paul Rudd. He tried out for the, a role and didn't make it. 
Interesting. I don't know who he would have been, but that's pretty funny. And then I already mentioned that Alec Baldwin was, he was supposed to be mm-hmm. Tim Allen's role. That would be a much different movie. Yeah. But the casting director was had a good good decisions. Yeah. She Deborah killed it. Yeah. Killed it. Yeah. Okay, so here's a first. And it's a really ironic first because I barely drink anything. Yeah. But for a drinking score, I gave it a ten out of ten. Really? Yeah. I because mean, of the how many actors you identified? Yes. <laughs> and I mean, like, you could just use that. Um, the ship taking damage. Um, them saying their quotes and them call, saying Galaxy Quest, and you could be done with rules. Right. Like, that's all you need. There are plenty other rules that you could add if you wanted to. Like, when the Thermians, that's what they're called, right? Thermians. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they talk in that weird voice, mm-hmm. it's like a monotone, and then sometimes right. they do like weird... But you don't need to add anything. Right. And that is a sign of a good drinking movie. Yep. It's like when you can get those three to five rules and be done. Right. So that was excellent. Yeah, I was going to give it a nine out of 10 mm-hmm. on drinking just because if I am thinking about once we watched it once, now we've already kind of seen all the actors like that's a drink, like a one time drinking rule, mm-hmm. right? Because then you already know what's coming. It's much more fun the first time when you like have you do not remember that people are in this. Right. It's kind of like the first time that I like realized Thanos was Josh Brolin. You didn't realize Josh Brolin was... No, 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 of course I did. But like, but then connecting Josh Brolin to like the Goonies, like mm-hmm. that's one that like you just like you don't think about until you rewatch it. Right. And then he goes and plays the villain. In Deadpool. Yeah. <laughs> who is like the same at the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and in the same universe now. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to guess what I rated this movie? Uh, I have no idea. You're not even going to guess? You want me to guess? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say a 70. 71. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I uh, I enjoyed it. I like it was a great drinking night movie. I don't need to ever watch it again. But like it was fun. I had fun with it. Well, as I already said, uh, this used to be like one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. I still really liked it now. Mm-hmm. It didn't have much fall off. There's a little bit of fall off. The CGI gets a little weirder. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, Saris, the villain... You can see more that he's animatronic now. Mm-hmm. It's weird because watching it as a kid, like I never, I did not notice. Like I knew it was just a guy in a suit, right? Mm-hmm. But like this time, I could see everything that made it look like like a Disney ride almost. Sometimes, mm-hmm. like the way his eyes are like just move weird. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. That aside, I'm gonna give it an 88 because I think it's the very solid comedy. I think that it's a Tim Allen movie that's funnier than it should have been. True. And it has good acting from Alan Rickman. Mm-hmm. It has good acting from a lot of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Shalhoub. Mm-hmm. It has not so great acting from a couple of people, mostly the aliens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's also on purpose. Right. So, I don't know. And at the time, that was like a really like big thing. Like, that's what they like. People thought it was hilarious. So they, they were talking like that. Right. So, you have to all have, have to consider that it's like dumb and dumber era, era humor. Yeah. But I'm glad that you liked it. Yeah. So we're shifting into another Tim Allen movie. Which is going to be much worse. But it's so great. I watched Jungle to Jungle. I had it on VHS. I watched it so many times. Like, I can't even count how many times I watched it as a kid. You had it on actual VHS? Mm-hmm. See, I had it on VHS but because I recorded it off of the Disney Channel no, onto no, no, a VHS. No. I had the VHS. No, so like mine was crappy because, you know, it's like you never got great quality on those and like the sound was messed up. Yeah, so my mom was really into 
like, you know, like how we all misjudge, like what is going to be worth money one day. My mom was really into always buying like Walt Disney movies. So like I had every classic cartoon one on VHS and anytime there was a theatrical release of a Disney movie, she always bought the VHS. Mm -hmm. So I had it on VHS and watched it a gazillion times. Yeah. We had all of those, uh, flubber, uh, all of the animated ones up to that point. We had a huge collection. Yeah. I wish there were something. (laughs) We still have them in there in those like thick, Cases yeah. that VHS tapes came in at the time. Yeah, but the Disney ones had the best quality cases. But they, they were like padded almost. Yeah. It's weird. They were great. Yeah. I remember that so well. Not that cardboard shit that you just slip over and tears. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I guess it's for kids too. So they're planning on like kids manhandling the VHS no, no, tapes. No, this is This is an upsell thing, Sean. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, well, so this movie, I am having a really hard time remembering it because I watched it so much as a kid, but probably never watched it again after I was in like fifth grade. So I haven't seen it in a long time. Do you think you can do a shot in the dark? Or do you think it's too... I think I could. I forgot his son's name. I forgot his son's name too. Yeah. Well, n- when you hear it, <laughs> it immediately comes it, yeah. back. <laughs> Not only does it come back, but like, it's like something people say sometimes. Well, do you want to guess what his son's name was? <laughs> like, I can't even... His son's name... Was Mimisiku. Oh, yeah. That's like, but it, that, that's the name that you've heard somehow outside of that movie. Is it? Yeah. Not me. I think so. I, I think that not, that is like I a mean, name that I've heard people say. Probably like in like your anime stuff. What? That <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an anime thing. No. <laughs> Mimisiku? No, I mean, I understand how you could see that, but it's also just like such a made up Amazonian like name. Like, because also like, <laughs> Tim Allen, I don't remember his name in this movie, but there's Tim Allen, right? Mm -hmm. And then Tim Allen's equally white wife then raises a completely like Amazonian tribes person son and give him that name. Yep. So it's a little like cultural appropriation. Yeah, that's what this entire movie is. (laughs) Yeah, but it's weird that like, I mean, I get it. Like if you were raised Mm -hmm. straight up in that culture, you would have that culture and Mm -hmm. you'd have that name and whatever. But it's not like, it still seems like she is still like a researcher of sorts, like yeah. living in the Amazon, not like she has become one with the tribe and like, you know what I mean? Uh, I thought I thought I remembered. To her me, she seems more of like an anthropologist. I think that is what she is. But it, in my memory, she's fully assimilated. With I the think tribe. she's like a doctor or something. Yeah. Like, I think she's providing medical care to the tribe, but I don't mm-hmm. remember. Well, it's, a lot of people probably haven't seen this. Do so you have a synopsis of this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I pulled it up. There's not much about this movie, mm-hmm. and there's not like any drinking rules. So we're going to have to make up. I've got so many good drinking rules. Good. So the synopsis of the movie, do you know that they also were trying to make a... I think they were trying to make a second one. That doesn't need a second one. No. I think it was just briefly talked about. Here we go. Manhattan broker Michael Cromwell, Tim Allen, is engaged to fiance Charlotte. She didn't get a last name. <laughs> is engaged to fiance Charlotte, Lolita Davidovich. Is that how you say it? Davidovich. What are you talking about? Okay. His fiance, <laughs> Charlotte, uh-huh. played by Lolita Davidovich. Uh, why would you even say that right now? Nobody knows who that is. Well, because it's part of the synopsis. Yeah, but if it's like a name that nobody knows, I always skip over oh, it. Oh, I thought that maybe had maybe it was someone people know. Okay. Let's see. I'm going to see who she was. And you don't know who she was? No, I'm going to see. She was in Gods and Monsters. Okay, perfect. She was in the movie Intersection. 
Oh, p- classic. <laughs> she was in a lot of other movies. I think this is a person like that was in a lot, like a recognizable person at some point in time. Okay, if anybody knows who Lolita Lodivitch is, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> okay, either which way. Okay, so she- Manhattan <laughs> broker Michael Cromwell is engaged to fiance Lolita Davidovich. <laughs> but needs a divorce from his estranged wife, Patricia. Okay, so Tim Allen is trying to marry a new woman, but first has to get divorced from his estranged wife who lives in the Amazon. Got or, it. I remember now. Played by Joe Beth Williams who's been living in the Amazon with a native tribe for years. Michael travels to the Amazon and discovers he has a son, teen Mimisuku, played by Sam Huntington, who begs to be taken to the city to fulfill a quest for his tribe. I don't know why. <laughs> Is he like Amish now, like on Rumspringer? Like that's, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. His tribe that like in this secluded part of the Amazon has a quest that takes him to New York City. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, at first, things don't go so smoothly for the kid from the jungle, but soon the boy and his dad bond. What a terrible synopsis. Not just the, how I read it. But <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot of how you read it. But, I mean, the last sentence is, at first, things don't go so smoothly for the kid from the jungle, but soon the boy and his dad bond. <laughs> that's just a bad synopsis. It's <laughs> like a fifth grader wrote it. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> like, they're fulfilling, like, the requirements of... Com- making a complete paragraph yeah <laughs> um so there you go that's the whole premise if you don't know about it tam allen has to go get divorced from his wife so he can marry a new person and finds out he has a son Mim- okay mimisuku okay i got rules mm-hmm. first rule mimisuku is doing weird ass shit in the city that like yeah you know yeah because uh, he like doesn't understand it's kind of like uh you know brandon fraser right as a caveman it, right. it's gonna be like that general thing which doesn't make sense because mimisuku's mother knows about all of this right you know what i mean it's like even if the premise is that these amazonian tribes people have never seen a skyscraper and never like used technology which i don't know if that's all that true anyway even if it is true this woman was born and raised not in that village and so like you wouldn't even tell your son that these things exist like, you're going to, like, just make him pretend that, like, when you go to the city, you, like, fish out of a fish tank. Like, spearfish, goldfish. <laughs> like, that's not something you might just teach your kid. Okay. Look. Okay. So, we got the weird-ass shit. Yeah. Uh, anytime Tim Allen is, like, not being a good dad. Yep. Anytime- that's a classic Tim Allen role, too. Exactly. Santa Claus. Yep. Anytime there's a, like, father-son bonding moment. Mm-hmm. Anytime there's tribal music, period, but especially when it doesn't need to be. Like drums or like... Yeah, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah that type of... Like yeah. Jumanji music. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I got so far. Okay, I'm going to say anything that's just cringy. Because I, I mean... That's what bad movies are, Sean. Well, no, I mean like cringy in a different way. Not cringy <laughs> like... Cringy in like a... This is almost racist way. Okay. I mean, look at the, uh, the cover yeah i mean come on (laughs) he's holding an arrow in his teeth he has Mm -hmm. like feathers coming out of his hair because it's like oh my gosh look how tribal i am you know like that type of thing okay and to compliment mimisuku doing weird shit in the city when tim allen is too city for the amazon yeah that makes sense i don't know how long he's there but yeah they go back there yeah i remember okay so i think that's enough rules no rule about martin short no 
Your favorite actor? He's his assistant, right? Or like business partner or something like that. Yeah, I can't remember exactly what he does. Well, I think that's enough rules. I think so too. We'll let you know if they're actually any good when we come back. Sure. The last thing I wanted to mention about this, though, is that we were wondering who the director was. Mm -hmm. So this one is directed by John Paskin, Mm -hmm. who, do you want to guess his highest rated Rotten Tomatoes movie? John Paskin. Mm. How the West was fun. (laughs) No. (laughs) I just said it. Oh, you did? Mm -hmm. Oh, Jungle to Jungle? (laughs) I just told you that. No. What other movie other than Jungle of the Jungle? Uh, Galaxy Quest? No. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. The Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. I forgot that he did that. So this is the director of The Santa Claus. Also, Miss Congeniality 2. I think, <laughs> Miss I think, Congeniality 2? I also think Miss Congeniality <laughs> 1, but they only list like his highest rated and lowest rated, and Miss Congeniality 2 is his lowest rated. Uh, yeah, Miss Congeniality is not a good movie, but it's definitely much better than Miss Congeniality 2. I'm looking at it real quick. No, he only did the second one. <laughs> Isn't that worse? <laughs> he did Roseanne, though. And oh, uh, some, I don't know to what extent, but yeah, he's done a lot. Uh, Growing Pains, Family Ties. I don't know what his role was in those. Uh, maybe he just directed some episodes or something like that. But in terms of his movies, Miss Congeniality 2, Joe Somebody, Jungle to Jungle, The Santa Claus, just the first one, Mm -hmm. which is the best one, but Don't Touch My Daughter and Out on the Edge. Hmm. So not a ton. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so Santa Claus 2. Obviously, this man just wants to write Tim Allen as a bad dad Mm -hmm. or direct him in movies that where Mm -hmm. Tim Allen is a bad dad. Yeah. Because it's very similar. And that would have been before this. When did this come out? 1997? I don't know. Let me see. It came out in, I think, 1997. So interesting because... Yeah, 97. Because Home Improvement was on at this time, and the whole show is about him being a great dad. Yeah, it's weird, huh? Yeah. Uh, but Jungle to Jungle would have come out after the Santa Claus, right? Because Santa Claus, I think, came out in like 1995 or 1994. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he already did this story. Yeah. <laughs> now he turns him, in, I guess, from a banker into a whatever... Okay, well, let's go watch it. Sounds good. And we're back from watching Jungle to Jungle. Man, what a rush of remembering how many times I've watched that movie as a kid. Yeah, I think I mentioned it earlier, but, you know, like I, I taped it on a VHS tape. Right, 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 right. But, like, the type that, like, the v, the VCR is built into the TV. Mm-hmm. So you put the tape in and then you hit, the, like, the red button on the bottom of the TV. Yep. Wasn't even separate. Yep. So it means it was real low quality. Yeah. I had one of those. Um, I stuffed my socks in it and got in trouble one day. Well, why did you do that? Like, I was, like, a kid kid. Like, like 12, 13. <laughs> Like a toddler. <laughs> oh. I mean, I, so you just did it because you didn't know. Yeah. It wasn't like I was like a 10-year-old, like, stuffing socks in. Right. Well, you know, that sounds like something that Mimi Siku would do. <laughs> he would think that's how you, like, dry your clothes after going for a swim in the river. Okay, here's something. I know that one of the drinking rules I came up with was, like, one time Alan's being, like, a shitty dad. Mm-hmm. I take that back. I don't think he was a shitty dad. I think he tried. I do think that I saw this completely different as a child. As a child watching this, I was definitely like, he doesn't know better. And 
his dad needs to be nicer because he wasn't in his life. But looking on it now, if I was Tim Allen, I would be so much meaner to that kid. Yeah, that Mimi Siku's a little bitch. <laughs> well, that's true. But <laughs> here's the bigger issue. Tim Allen legitimately didn't know he had a son. So he wasn't just like a absent father, right? right? It wasn't like he just stayed away because he pulled the like, I need to go get milk and never showed back up again. Right. It's like he became estranged from his wife. She voluntarily moved to the Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then he never saw her again until now trying to marry a new woman because they've mm-hmm. been estranged for like many years. 13 years. 13 years because that's how old <laughs> Mimi Siku is. So then when he gets there, you know, he is trying to interact when he's told that he has this son. He is trying to interact with them and, like, be kind of nice. But, like, the whole premise is that Mimisiku, like, forces him, kind of tricks him because he doesn't know any better. Like, he does make a promise that he's going to take him there because it's it's in passing, right? Mimisiku's like, look at this, uh, like... He wants to go to the Statue of Liberty. Yeah, he wants to go to the Statue of Liberty. And he's like, part of my becoming a man is to bring back the fire of the Statue of Liberty. But you dumb fuck, it's not even fire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and that's the other problem, uh, which I'm going to raise that in a second. Let me me come back to that, because (laughs) that's a bigger issue with Mimisiku's mother. (laughs) Because Mimisiku was not raised by villagers who just, like, heard these mythological stories of big places off you know, that they've never seen before with statues that hold fire. That's not how they heard those stories. They heard those stories from this fucking woman. Yeah. And, like, it's even worse if that's how she described this to them. All right. You're completely right. this is not, like, the time of, like, Cortez. Right. Where you have to, like, describe, like, what a gun is. In a a term, like, when you haven't had that development and you don't necessarily know what gunpowder is, an, an explosion like that is, you describe it in another way. This is, like, the 1990s. Yeah, you're so right. Like, I didn't even question about how, like, why were they even, like, have any care about the Statue of Liberty. You're because right. It's she's completely from her. There. Yeah, it's completely and her. She told right. them, and this is her own son. Yeah. And she's just, like, an anthropologist. Well, she's not an anthropologist. She's a doctor. So even worse. Because, like, a doctor without borders, you know, like, type of situation isn't even like an anthropologist who goes li- and lives with a community for 50 mm-hmm. years. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, or less. Mm-hmm. It's much different than that. The relationship is different. They kind of merge all aspects of that together into this. But they just pretend that she has decided to raise her son knowing absolutely nothing mm-hmm. about where he's from or where mm-hmm. his dad is from or where she's from. Mm-hmm. How any modern anything works. She sits in the village all day long wearing Western clothes. But then she has him like she's literally wearing mm-hmm. like a shirt and pants. Mm-hmm. But then he's here in a loincloth. Right. Like Why? Yeah. You know, like, and she's here, like, I mean, sure, like, if, if that's what the tribal people wear mm-hmm. and whatever, then, like, like the local villagers, mm-hmm. then, like, sure, he can do that. But she doesn't do it. Right. So I, I just don't understand the whole premise. And if you came from New York City knowing what everything like that is like, and you raised your son telling him about it, why wouldn't you give him more specifics? Right. Also, why didn't Tim Allen... At the moment, they were like, to become a man, you have to get the fire from the Statue of Liberty. Why was it he like, there ain't no fire in there? Well, Tim Allen did say that. Oh, he did? Yeah. I just missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I mean, like, he was telling him, like, that's not, this is a statue. Like, mm-hmm. that's not whatever. I really think the problem is the mother. Mimi Siku mm-hmm. is like a little bitch who <laughs> is constantly being dangerous and also like kind of trying to have sex with minors. And the, and Tim Allen's fiance too. He's not really trying to have sex with her, but he, like, literally, like... He's 100% sexually harassing her. 
Yes, he like she's like sleeping in their bedroom, and he goes in there, lifts up the sheet, and then goes, "Nice poochie poochie." <laughs> right. And again, you would think now uh, there are so many issues with this, right? So like, it's hard to even comment on because it's like it's going to come off sounding racist either which way you put it. Because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is, I don't think that modern day people even in these places, are that oblivious of modern culture, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about, like, 1700s and before when, when lo- like, villages out past, like, city spaces were that oblivious of something. Maybe even before that, you know what I mean? And so it's just, like, the whole notion that he's just that oblivious is, like, a little, like, it, it doesn't make sense. I just don't think that any modern people are that oblivious other than that, like, one island where they try to throw spears at helicopters. Right. And that's one place on the whole mm-hmm. planet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I, I just don't know if it's like that. Even when people keep their, like, local traditions and cultures, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, like, even when you see, like, National Geographic-type shows about tribal places in Africa, those people know that, like, the West exists. Like, they know how things work. They don't live like that. Mm-hmm. Like, they still keep their local customs, but they know that Western people exist and don't dress like that and have different traditions because they've seen them so many times. This tribe lives with someone from there, and you're supposed to just assume that they never once even attempted to understand where she's from. Right. I think the mom is terrible just because she acts like her son has been robbed of all these things that she never even attempted to provide him. Yeah. And then when he tricks his dad into making a promise... That doesn't even make sense Mm -hmm. to capture (laughs) a fire that doesn't exist. (laughs) And then he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You actually meant to come back right now and Mm -hmm. go to the Statue of Liberty today Mm -hmm. when I'm about to get married, like tomorrow? Mm -hmm. Like, that is an okay reaction to have in that situation Mm -hmm. to a son you didn't know you had. And then the mother is like, you just broke his heart. First promise you ever made to him. And it's already broken. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. We did enjoy Tim Allen's first trip to the Amazon, being scared of Mimi Siku's pet tarantula. Yeah, he has a pet tarantula that he just keeps in a random, like, woven basket. But the best part is, like, the first time you really see the tarantula before you really know that it's Mimi Siku's pet, you know, it's chasing Tim Allen. But it's doing it ever so gingerly on a line that you can see. (laughs) Yeah, so I don't think at any point the tarantula was real. You know, in yeah. some movies like Home Alone, mm-hmm. tarantula was real. Mm-hmm. That's just a tarantula that they put on the set and filmed it. This, I'm pretty sure, in every scene is fake. But especially when it's moving, it's really fake. Yeah, so it's really. like a toy store tarantula on a fishing line. And then they're like reeling it in real fast. So it's like making it just slide. And then they film it like wobbly kind of mm-hmm. to make it look like it's moving back and forth and not dragging. Mm-hmm. Absolutely horrendous. That tarantula causes a lot of problems, and I get that this is pre-9-11, and he gets to fly to New York City with a tarantula in a basket. Uh, I don't... Is that legal now? <laughs> like, are you allowed on a plane with a live tarantula? I don't even know. You might be. I don't know, but it's probably checked, right? Like, Sean, it's a pre-9-11 world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but he has a, a tarantula. I also don't know how tr- poisonous tarantulas are. I don't know shit about tarantulas, nor do I care to. I didn't think that tarantulas were like, I know that they're, they're poisonous to some extent, but I didn't think that they were like that scary for humans other than how they look and the size. Right. 
But Everything I know about tarantulas, I learned from this movie. And what I've learned from this movie is that they're fake and that if you want to make it do something, you have to tie it to a clear string and drag it around. Everything I learned from tarantulas was from the fifth grade when I saw a tarantula outside of my house. No, you didn't. I did. I told you this. Uh, yeah, but I don't believe that you actually saw I don't know. It was right before the bus came. I went out to go to the bus stop. I looked in on the front of the porch and there was a tarantula crawling across. Now, this was not just a big spider. Tarantulas don't look like regular spiders. That's, your parents don't even believe that you saw a tarantula. They don't believe me, but it's true. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this And this wasn't on a fishing line. This tarantula <laughs> was moving on its own accord. Big, the size of my fourth grade hand, fifth grade hand. There's not a tarantula. <laughs> I mean, there are tarantulas that are around there. No. They exist in that region. No. Well, you know what? I saw one. And that's all I know about them except for <laughs> That's this, everything I know. <laughs> except for this and Home Alone. Yeah. That being said, we've had a lot of complaints about Mimi Siku and the mother. Is Tim Allen flawless? No. <laughs> uh, no, he is not. He constantly only talks in dad jokes and does a lot of Tim Allen acting that's like, whoa, like, <laughs> like making yeah. those types of noises, you know, like he always did. Mm-hmm. He also kind of, I don't know how to describe it. He like tries to take part of a lot of like Mimi Siku's culture, but then he's like, mean name, big sausage, like that type <laughs> of thing. Like he, he, There's one point where he like tries to give himself a name. He finds out that Mimi Siku's name means cat piss. Yeah. Which I don't, I don't understand that part. I'm sure I found that hilarious as a kid, but I don't yeah. understand that. So then he wants his name to be something like big penis, mm-hmm. obviously in Disney terms. Right. And then they have this weird joke where the mother's like, actually, that's pe- big penis over there. And then it's like some local villager who's like, <laughs> like with his arms crossed, like laughing. <laughs> <laughs> There's those types of jokes all through this. Tim Allen is also, for whatever reason, just constantly caught up in trading. Yeah, the I never knew the trading of coffee beans was going to be so important. Yeah, I did not remember that aspect of this, and I'm sure I didn't understand what it meant when I was first watching this. Right. But Tim Allen, no matter where he is, is constantly on the phone, or the first time that he goes to Amazon, (laughs) there is like satellite like uh, reception, or whatever you call it, out in where they live. Mm -hmm. He uses a 90s laptop with a satellite connection to use the internet Mm -hmm. to do trading. Like stock market trading while he's there now does he trade in stock no he does not (laughs) he trades in commodities Mm -hmm. and not only commodities one commodity coffee beans yep and coffee beans i did not remember played this large of an issue in the whole movie the (laughs) whole premise the whole like half of the movie is about coffee beans yeah i did not know it was even that much i thought they were they were just kind of making like you know small allusions to like yeah, he you know he works at Wall Street. You know he's like a big time guy who lives in a flat and whatever. They're just trying to explain why he's like rich, kind of. Right. I didn't remember that it's like a pivotal part of the plot. Right. It's like it's like you know like Disney movies are very formulaic and that like we have to have some type of like conflict that brings in like a villain and it might not be central to like the like the real story, but it, like it impacts all of our main characters. Right. And in this formula, like I think somebody got high and was like. We should make this about trading coffee beans. How hilarious would that be if, like, we have Russian mobsters mad about coffee beans? 
Yeah, and there's a lot that happens before they get to the Russian mobsters, which these guys are not Russian. Like, the actors who play these people are 100% not Russian. They're just using really stereotypic Russian accents. And the premise of, like, why the Russian mob would even be dealing in coffee commodities, I don't, I don't understand that, but it's kind of like money laundering, but they don't get into any specific details. But they're also not trading in, like, I don't know, the whole thing is, like, so con- confusing because it doesn't actually fit, like, how any trading actually works. Because the premise is almost that, like, when Tim Allen goes to the Amazon, he tells Martin Short before he goes, who is his, like, partner, buy coffee beans when they hit at this limit. But basically what happens is that he makes an option option where he says, if it falls below 93 cents or something like that, say that it's going to fall below 93 cents and then we'll buy. Then, then they never confirm that and it actually falls way lower. Coffee beans throughout this movie somehow just keep plummeting to an all-time low. Like coffee beans are just like now like 10 cents, like 10 cents. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't understand how any of this works. But anyway, it's just like they're worthless at the end of the movie, which now they like, keep talking like they own all these coffee beans. Like they're, they're just going to have a warehouse full of coffee beans. Mm-hmm. Like not that they were trading in certificates about coffee beans, but that they're trading in actual physical coffee beans. Mm-hmm. And so like, then they're trying to look for buyers mm-hmm. who will uh, uh, essentially just buy all their coffee off of them. Mm-hmm. And that's how they wind up with the mob. The mob has some interest, I guess, because of money laundering mm-hmm. in buying the coffee beans. But the whole premise is that then at the very end of the movie, they have all these coffee beans. They are worth absolutely nothing. And then something automatically shifts and the price just rockets. Mm -hmm. So that creates a problem with the mob. And then the mob, they go and like, I don't know, there's the whole thing is so convoluted. There's so much to this because then they go and get them back from the mob. And then they actually become worth a, a ton of money and they make a ton of money off of it. And then the mob is like, oh, you tricked us. You sold them to us and then rebought them back. And now we didn't make all that money that you just made. Right. And all the while, Mimi Suku is acting like a damn fool. And then we're supposed to be caring about coffee beans, too. Right. And, I mean, Mimi Suku throughout this is doing ridiculous things. He comes with Tim Allen to that mob boss meeting for whatever reason, wearing yeah. his loincloth. He never once, like, he he one time in the airport puts on some clothes. No, he does after the Statue of Liberty incident. And he wears it, but he always is wearing, like, his little head thing and, like, paint on his face. Okay. Well, there's a lot of other scenes where he's still wearing a loincloth. Yeah, no. he's He puts on real clothes at some point for the rest of the movie. Uh, but that creates a whole showdown with the Russian mob and Martin Short, who is the one who's always carrying all of their stuff. Because there's, like, mm-hmm. physical paperwork. And, like, it, it make, and nothing makes any sense about this. It's, like, I guess at one point when there was no... I mean, there was online trading, though. That's the whole point. He was on his satellite laptop. Someone who wrote this just did not know how stock or commodities work, and they just, like, made up a lot of stuff they, that makes no sense. And they banked on us children not knowing either. And we didn't. But, <laughs> but like, It's man. probably why I don't understand the stock market today. It's because I thought it was all coffee. <laughs> I don't know. But, like, I, I do understand, like, the general themes that they're trying to get at was happening, but then they combine them in ways that, like, just don't make sense whatsoever. Because they need to create tension that, like, couldn't have existed. Um, but anyway, we once again have a, I don't know, what would you call her, stepmother? Mm-hmm. She's the fiance who never becomes a bride. Yeah. Well, any, anyways, we have a stepmother type character who is actually not that bad. Yeah, like, is she annoying? Yes. But, like, 
everything that she's upset about is completely worthwhile. She has to deal with Mimi Siku, like, sexually harassing her. She then is, like, trying to, like, enjoy her damn home. And then the tarantula is out. And so she has to lock herself in a bathroom. Yeah. All day. Mm-hmm. Um, Mimi Siku also tries to eat her cat. Yep. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things that happen. He kills the neighbor's birds. Yep. Like, he he eats uh, Martin Short's fish that were like very rare endangered fish. Yeah, they were worth a lot of money. So basically, Mini Suku sucks. Not only does he eat Martin Short's fish, he also basically tries to have sex with his daughter. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't like. They never allude to them having sex, but he's also like half dressed, and they sleep in the same hammock. Right. And oh my God, if I did that at that age, my mom would have killed me. He's 13 and yeah. that girl's 11. <laughs> I forgot that part. <laughs> She's even younger than him. Yeah. And the whole premise is that it's just like, oh, it's like puppy love. Haha. Mm-hmm. Except that Mimi Siku is very clearly much more aware of this type of stuff because it's assumed that in this like tribal culture that it's like a much more open type thing. You know, so because so he's like already like hitting on uh, like every girl in the tribe, particularly one who gives like a clay pot to. And that means that like he's really into her. Mm-hmm. And then they make those jokes, like I said, about like, that's the, the well hung guy over there. Like, right. They make those types of jokes. It, it's like that whole premise. So when he gets to New York, he's constantly flirting with or, you know, like hitting on women, most of which who are very young, like his age or younger. And so when it comes to Martin Short's daughter, she like falls in love with Mimi Siku and Mimi Siku is like constantly just like flirting with her, sleeping with her in the hammock. He convinces her that I think that she should come to the Amazon. Yeah. Because there's something at the end where like she comes back and she's like, that's not my name anymore. My name is like whatever the mm-hmm. the like name is that he gave her. Mm-hmm. That's like a new like now you have like a mm-hmm. name from the tribe. It's like Wallowe or something. <laughs> yeah, I can't I can't remember exactly what it was. But it's like, you know, so she becomes really rebellious against her dad mm-hmm. to go, like, live with this 13-year-old boy. Yeah, which makes no effing sense. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Well, we did have to make up our own drinking rules. And I, I think we did a pretty good job for not seeing this movie in, like, 25 years. Yeah. Uh, I think if you just went with Mimi Siku doing weird shit... Uh, Tim Allen being like two city or baby basically just like if you did like cult- culture clashes, like yeah. you're good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like bonding moments, like I feel like that gives you plenty to drink to. Yeah. And as I've alluded to this whole time, there's a lot of cringy things throughout this movie, which is something I brought up as right. something that you can drink to. Right. I mean, in terms of like a drinking movie, I'm giving it an eight out of 10. Like mm-hmm. I had a lot of fun drinking to it and like, it was one, unlike Garfield, where, like, I was just, like, annoyed with the movie that I was, like, not enjoying drinking to it. Like, I was I was having a good time watching this. Yeah, I did, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think that it's worth watching as a drinking movie. I don't know if it's worth watching as a movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know, though. I mean, if you're nostalgic for it, you can go ahead and watch it. But it, it did not age well. <laughs> it did not. <laughs> uh, I don't know. But entertaining as a drinking movie. I, I yeah. was also going to give it an 8 out of 10 mm-hmm. as a, for drinkability. Uh, especially like the best rule is if you now as an older person j- do not like Mimi Siku. <laughs> Drink to that. If you if Mimi Siku does something where you're like, get this kid out of here. Yeah. Like yeah. he's walking a ledge on the 20th story. Right. Like get him out of here. Right. He's climbing the outside of the Statue of Liberty <laughs> up to the like the the torch. Right. Uh 
What did you rate this movie? Like as a movie? As a movie, it's hard to say. It's not that funny unless you count it being funny from being terrible. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like all the things that they intend to be funny are not that funny. Right. But it's really funny to watch. Right. The acting is so bad from Mimi Siku. Martin Short is like not great. Um, He's much better than everybody else in this movie. Tim Allen is fine, but acts like quintessential Tim Allen. Definitely no Galaxy Quest Tim Allen in this. (laughs) Much more cliche. I'm going to give it like a 18. Wow. I give it a 48. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I like, I thought it was, I mean, I don't think it's a good movie or anything like that. But like, in terms of like a Disney kids movie, like... I was not, like, bored with it. I was having fun. Maybe it's the nostalgia that kicked in for me. Like, I'm usually so much lower than you. I Well, and that's true, especially on these types of movies. But <laughs> something for me, it was just, like, Mimisuku was too stupid. <laughs> like, there was no redeeming quality right. of him. And there was no redeeming quality ever. He basically just gets everything he wants. Right. There's no development. There's no... There's nothing about it. Like, yeah. it's not like at the end, he now does understand how New York runs. Mm-hmm. And, like, what his like father's culture is like and his mother's Mm -hmm. culture Mm -hmm. it's never like there's any moment where he is like okay yeah so like this is what i was raised with and this is what my parents were raised with and now i understand the difference right he makes absolutely no development in that way and again this kid was raised by his mother she speaks very fluent english and was telling him about that she knows everything about the culture she's from and was telling him about that supposedly maybe she wasn't and he just like does not understand any of it well that was a eventful nostalgia packed movie night yeah i mean galaxy quest was a thousand times better yeah (laughs) well we had mentioned at the i think at the beginning of the show that we had um one of sean's college friends stay with us this week um and he gave us our next movie pairing right so george um recommended that we do a a movie pairing of Josie and the Pussycats. Yep. And Spice World. It's a great, great pairing. Yeah. I haven't seen either. Have you? I have seen Spice World, but it's been like when it came out. Okay. So like early 90s. Well, I'm really excited about that idea. Like it is everything I want. I couldn't even tell you what Josie and the Pussycats is about. We're going to find out. I've never watched it. So we're going to get a (laughs) shot in the dark. Yeah. It'll be fun. Yeah. Okay. Well, We'll see you next time. Yep, should be good. Bye.